0: In this film, what you see is an incredible amount of class conflict and rage, protesters who are condemning the neoliberalism of the society, but they're turning to Joker as this icon of liberation. And that's very problematic. Welcome
1: to the Redwood Podcast going to be talking about Joker this week. I'm Davis Allen and I'm here with Gabo Murcia. Hey. And John Flores. Hey. So what did y'all think of this movie? (laughs) Am I right in saying that neither of y'all had seen this before I suggested this pod?
2: Yeah yeah that's true. I had been avoiding watching it. I wasn't very keen on seeing another superhero movie coming out of Hollywood. And obviously, it's that's a loose definition of the term superhero movie because it's more of a supervillain movie. And I don't think I can really say I enjoyed watching it because it's very depressing. But with that being said, I do think that there is something to this movie that I really appreciated. And I think that comes from its central motivation of trying to humanize one of the most recognizable villains in our pop culture. It's almost a taboo to look at the economic conditions that lead to people to commit really awful things. In past Batman movies, he's a caricature, this awful villain. And in real life, we have villains too. They do awful things, but I always think it it is important for us to understand what leads people to do those things. Even I didn't think this movie was necessarily that great. I did appreciate it showing the value in learning that. What, what, what did you think, John? I saw this as a proto-fascist
0: film. And I call it that because it depicts the brutality and the exploitation that defines the capitalist status quo. But its answer to that extreme exploitation and brutality is nihilism, right? destructiveness, yep. lunacy. That's the response embodied in The Joker. And it shows you just how horrific a liberal capitalist way of life is for so many people. And it even shows you characters like Murray Franklin, the Johnny Carson-like character, who I think embodies the liberal establishment's position. It shows you someone like Franklin say to the Joker, everything's not so gloomy out there. Life's not too bad for him. Life's not too bad for his friends. They're still going to dinner. They're still going to brunch. They're still enjoying life, despite the impoverishment that surrounds them. So you even have a liberal mainstream character to show you how they're seeing the world. And yet it exemplifies how that liberal mainstream perspective just does not recognize how hard it is, how alienating it is, how insulting and humiliating it is for so many millions of people in this capitalist way of life. Because that's what you see throughout this film. a man who is just being beat up every day by a capitalist way of life, And he has a lot of mental problems and this leads him into a very deadly direction. So I'm not saying the film is pro-fascism, but I think it's proto-fascist in the way it highlights all the problems with the system, but then does not give you any kind of humane egalitarian solution and instead turns you to nihilism.
1: Yeah. You know, I am pretty much right with you, John. I I did suggest that we watch this one. I, I, I did, uh, suggest this one for the pod, but not because I liked it. It's, in fact, one of my least favorite movies of the last few years. Watching it again uh, to prepare for this, the thing that struck me most is that reading a little bit about what Todd Phillips, the director, said after this film was released, I think right at the end of the film, when the Joker basically says, you just don't get it, to me, that was basically Todd Phillips speaking to the audience directly. He knew Hmm. that a lot of people were not gonna like this movie and he was basically saying to us, uh, those of us who wouldn't like it, you just don't understand. And my problem with this movie is I think I understand it perfectly. (laughs) I think I understand exactly what his perspective is and I think it sucks. I think it's trash. I think his perspective is that the world lacks meaning and we are animals who will never be able to move past that. And I I think that's an idea that just like you're saying, John can form the basis of fascism. I, I don't think that Todd Phillips is a fascist for making the movie Joker people are allowed to believe whatever they want to believe. You know, I personally, I don't believe that. I do understand it. I do understand why people might be led to think that way. And I think that one of the things about this movie that makes it hard to watch is that I think it could have said something really interesting about that, right? I think that it's pointing out how under capitalism, we are so dehumanized that it becomes very difficult even for us to engage in meaning-making behaviors. It it becomes difficult for us to find meaning in our lives, but then it doesn't take any other step. It just leaves us with this sort of empty analysis of class, you know, this depiction of a two-tiered class structure, but where one in which everyone is a nightmare there's not a single character in the film that seems to want to make this world
2: any better it, gary does who? the co-worker who like comes by to <laughs> yeah. uh, check in on him after his mother dies
1: <laughs> that's true i guess gary is kind of the one sympathetic character but yeah to me to me it is a film about nihilism and it responds to nihilism with a one of the weakest class analyses I've, I've seen in a film. I, I found this to be really disappointing.
2: I think I'm less disappointed in it because I'm giving it maybe a wider margin of error, given that it's working with some pretty strict source material. I think that's why I was looking at the issues that the film was bringing up and appreciating them and maybe looking past some of its (laughs) more fascist elements, as as you guys are calling it. But I I guess I saw it more, you know, he's working within this, he can't make the Joker the good guy (laughs) or or else a whole billion dollar DC industry is, is kind of in trouble. Obviously there's gonna be movies made about these iconic cultural superheroes. They can't change the story too much because there is a certain story. So I I guess I kind of came away thinking, well, if you're gonna work with this, this is not the, the worst attempt at giving a useful message of the rich versus the poor that I don't really often see in superhero movies. I would say the Joker is
0: actually one of the more complex characters in this movie. When I'm describing this film as proto-fascist, I'm describing the way the director chose to depict most of humanity. Right. When you watch this film, as Davis said, it's difficult to even identify ordinary working-class people who are kind. They're kind of all rubes. The children act like monsters. They act like dangerous, quote-unquote, savages, which is a stereotype that's used to deny poor, black, brown, and white working-class kids in cities the resources they need to have better lives. And that's how they're depicted here. There isn't an example of a kind child to counterbalance the criminality that they depict. I don't deny that there aren't juvenile delinquents in cities. I don't deny that some people are very brutal. But it's the over-depiction, the one-sided depiction, I should say, of the working class people of this large city as dangerous, as cutthroat. I mean, when I saw the children attack him the way they did for no real purpose other than to bully him. Everybody that Phillips depicts to us in this city is vicious. And Joker, by comparison, comes off as a complex character who you can try to understand why he's behaving the way he's behaving.
2: And I I think that's why I appreciate it, is the complexity that's given to the character of Joker. Because even though, I think as you say, this movie is coming from a proto-fascist lens, we were dealing with, in real life, more and more Jokers. More, more and more people who are responding to the crises of our time in very poor ways. I, and I think when you add this complexity and context and examine the conditions that, that lead them to rise up, you can identify them as not your principal enemy, as the principal enemy being the system and, the, and those in power who uphold that system. And I think that's super useful right now because I feel like so much of what we're seeing is like this continuous outrage cycle over people who in reality have very little power. One example I think of is this like freshman congresswoman from Georgia, Marjorie Greene. You know, it's almost like with Trump gone, now the 24-7 outrage that we're supposed to feel about these awful far-right figures is like shifting to someone with even less actual influence in upholding the status quo. I mean, what power does she actually have? What power do the 15 or however many people storm the Capitol actually have? I, I would argue very, very little. And yet it seems like we're spending so much of our time focusing on them, not understanding the economic conditions that are leading people to turn to those ideas. I think in a way, Joker kind of does that. And it's not coming from a place of, okay, we have to team up with the joker, team up with, the, with those awful far-right people, but it's showing how they're not the real enemy here. I think Gabe, you're right in the way you're
0: showing us that people turn to far-right ideologies as a result of a social context that they experience within the pressure cooker of the status quo that liberals and conservatives alike accept and legitimize. I think you're right about that, but my sense is you'd agree that the film doesn't offer us an egalitarian alternative to the brutality of the system, and instead makes the protagonist a lunatic. Right, right, right. One of the incredible successes of the U.S. government, both at home and abroad, has been to destroy the left. So at home, the FBI and the police help destroy the left, and abroad, the CIA helps destroy the left. And when you do that, what you're left with is still an incredible amount of class conflict and rage. But the question is, where is that going to go? So in this film, what you see is an incredible amount of class conflict and rage. I mean, the film begins with a garbage worker strike. That's what hooked me off the bat. I thought to myself, I have not seen a film that, in other words, it's like workers don't strike in America. Workers don't strike anywhere in the world because that automatically implies class conflict and we can't have any kind of class conflict in a so-called middle-class existence where everyone is middle-class, from Bill Gates to (laughs) the people who work in sanitation. They're all middle-class in America.
2: Uh, Middle-class to upper (laughs) (laughs) middle-class.
0: And so when a film begins with a garbage strike, I thought, wow, it's already reeling me in. And yet it doesn't provide me with a constructive outlet for class conflict and
1: rage. reminded me of, of one of my other sort of disappointments about it was this idea of mental health and, and the fact that this movie could have could have said something really interesting, I think, about the connection between mental health issues and environmental factors, right? This is something we we like know is true, even though there are genetic components to depression and anxiety and and mental health disorders, there also are real environmental factors. And so making Joker very explicitly mentally ill in a way that he isn't in a lot of other Joker stories could have taken, you know, they, they, he, he could have used that as an opportunity to, to comment on this. I, you know, I, think, I think I read that this movie is supposedly set in 1981. And obviously, Gotham is is the equivalent of New York City in, in most Batman stuff. And uh, to me, this movie is basically like a caricature, a a, a a white suburban caricature of what New York City was like in the 1980s. You know, it's just this Definitely. this hellhole, this cesspool of fear, poor people, you know, going wild. <laughs> right? Like, and and it could have said something really interesting about the yeah. connection between. That even even if it is sort of um, exaggerated, the connection between the environment that capitalism creates and mental health, and you know, again, it just it just didn't take that step.
2: Yeah, I think for for me, Davis, like you're looking at it like almost like a it's doing something that's fifteen percent interesting and it's not a hundred percent. So on that hundred percent scale, it's obviously awful. And I think I'm coming from the place where I was expecting like a negative 15% and it came out that same 15% you're looking at. But to me, it's like, that's like a plus 30 swing. You know? So I think my expectations were just so low that I thought it, it actually surpassed my expectations on its commentary about mental health, because I think it, I don't think it did it in an incredibly sophisticated way, but I do think it showed uh, mental health as something that is determined in, in many ways by your environment. It, it, and it is worsened by uh, socioeconomic conditions like the entitlements, as as politicians call it, being cut, as public programs that a, a lot of times are cut while police budgets are expanded. I, I think it did do that to a certain extent. And I, that's why I go back to that. like It did it like 15% of the way. <laughs> and, and I was very surprised and appreciated that it did because I was expecting it really not to do that at all. It
1: is an interesting example of how expectations can affect the way that we the way that we make sense Definitely. of media, right? Because I I saw this I saw the trailer for this film on the day that it came out, and I was like very excited because first I've just been interested in the character of the Joker for a long time. I one of my favorite comics ever is Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, which is a an alternative look at the Joker's backstory. Um, but also because in that initial trailer that I saw, I felt like it was pointing towards possibly some interesting sort of class analysis and, and connecting this story to real issues in a way that that superhero movies often are not.
2: And I guess, so you're coming at it from reading The Killing Joke to seeing Joker. And I think my context is the Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight into Joker. Whereas I, I think I quite enjoy The Dark Knight Rises, because I just interpret it as Batman is the bad guy. <laughs> uh, Bane is problematic, <laughs> but he he's actually right. But I think with with this film, I, I don't even have to make that pretend leap in my head. It's, it's kind of working off that basis from the get-go. That, that there are legitimate problems with a city that is a billionaire's playground. Whereas in The Dark Knight, we're supposed to see that as and there's some nuance there i don't want this to turn into a dark night uh, podcast but i think as a in its general premise with most batman movies it's accepted as ultimately not a bad thing that gotham Bruce Wayne, as a brill- as a billionaire, can do whatever he wants. Probably need
1: to read the Killing Joke. So from- actually, this is, that's what this is mostly convincing yeah. you. You need to read it, or <laughs> right, uh, right. you can watch. There's like a movie version. If you skip the first like 30 minutes or something, you could watch that as an alternative.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that. I, but I think that's why I I appreciate the Joker because it's in, in terms of our popular culture in the past few years, it being so dominated by. I mean, everybody. And their cousin has seen the, the Dark Knight trilogy. So if that was our last narrative in this DC universe, to now go to this narrative, that it's, despite its problems, very clearly a uh, rich versus poor, poor versus rich, class embattled Gotham, I think ha- has has merit. What I thought
0: as I watched the film, especially given Gabe your more positive view of this, is I wish we could poll people who think that Parasite is a left film. And I wonder how many of those people would tell me Joker is a left film. And the reason I say yeah. that, and if I'm not going to get into details about Parasite, but I would recommend to anybody that's listening to us right now to go to our Parasite <laughs> podcast. <laughs> nice. If they, if Lo- they want I the plug, if, yeah. if they want to hear our rich conversation about that movie and our different takes, because any listener who goes to that podcast will hear that we didn't all agree about how left that film is. I'm obviously a critic of that film, and I would say I'm a critic of this film, but I can see how somebody who's so hungry for class conflict that they would see this film as a film that finally gives us some sense that there is a
2: rich versus poor dynamic that unfolds within a capitalist society. Yeah. I just think that it's not, I'm a pre, I think I'm appreciating this film from the perspective that not just that it's any dis- depiction of a class conflict that is largely absent. I think the way I'm looking at it is that it's depicting a right wing reaction to the class conflict in a way that doesn't, in a way that gives it, I think, an accurate complexity. It may, may not push us towards anyone, towards an anti-capitalist movement per se, but I think moving our narrative politically from one that's so awfully defined by left versus right to one that's the 99% versus the 1%, I think is useful. I think this movie does do that in a way, because I think it, it does show what i would describe as a right wing movement that is anti-establishment anti you know Wayne industries gotham police it's not showing them as the villains that i think mainstream media and so many others even i think on the, on the left to a certain degree ascribe them to be and i think that's important because i think so much of our political discussion gets so wrapped up in this Democrats versus Republicans. So, you know, if, if we're going to move to an anti-capitalist movement, I do think we're gonna to have to move away from I think we're gonna have to move towards a place where we see both sides of our politics as enablers of the status quo rather than teaming up with one side against the other. Joker by depicting, I, I think gets to that, gets to that in a certain way, in a way that I wasn't expecting. It really made me think a lot about the Capitol riots. These were awful people who were within inches of overthrowing our government and any nuance about, wait, who were these people who who went to D.C.? Like, it seems like they were not in sound place of mind, were duped and were probably susceptible to being conned in this way because of their struggles. Any nuance along those lines that I've seen is immediately condemned as, oh, no, you're apologizing for white supremacy. That's giving a pass to racists who would have murdered Congress people if given the chance. And I, and I think that's disappointing because I think those of us who are invested in bringing forth a better world should always want to learn about what what has led people to do what they do and that doesn't mean excusing that means just getting the better understanding of our world and what's driving people to to do certain things
1: i'm just having kind of a hard time gabe with this with the idea <laughs> of linking these people and and the january 6th riots i guess i I, I think that Phillips probably thinks pretty similarly about the people protesting in this movie and the Capitol rioters. But to me, it's the, the, the problem is that Phillips, he seems to not have any imagination about the way that these people might no. protest. Right. And so like, I'm pretty skeptical of the idea that many of those people were there out of any sort of economic,
2: <laughs> but you think the guy, you think the guy like who had a, a grizzly bear cut out, like running around without a shirt on. You think he was in like a sound state I think that there were a line. lot of
1: rich people there. I think that there were a lot of powerful people there. Is my point. okay?
2: Oh well, that's interesting because like it powerful. Oh, so you're rich, like okay, someone who is worth a quarter million dollars. Like okay, maybe they're classified as rich, but is that? Do you really see them as as powerful? Like in our powerful might be the wrong structured? word,
1: but like I don't I don't think that what we were seeing was like a a working class backlash against against capitalist Democrats or something. I I I don't I don't think that's what happened on January six.
2: Well, I mean I, that's that's not what I'm saying it was either. I'm saying that. It was a significant group of people who were completely devoted to the ideas that Donald Trump was promoting, which to a certain extent were anti-establishment. And I don't think it was a working class revolt, but I think there was a probably like with most things, like with any left wing protest too, a mix of socioeconomic statuses in the crowd. There's probably some people who are well off. There's probably some people who are really struggling. And to go back to the film, I don't think the film is, I think the film is problematic because it's not showing anything beyond the proverbial capital protesters It's like all of humanity, if they get upset with uh, the status quo, they'll just turn to the first person that thinks is sticking it to the man. But a solely representation of that phenomenon that really does happen in one segment of society, there will be far-right demagogues who do generate a following, and there have been in the past and will continue to do so in the future. The the understanding that they're not white supremacist caricatures, that they're real people who have obviously embraced some really awful ideas, but there were circumstances that led them to do that, I think there there is use to that.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess I still am just kind of hung up on the fact that I think the movie is very misanthropic. And I think it offers no real explanation of why these people embraced the the clown mask. And and I I I, I think it's just portraying them as sort of as empty headed animals, basically. And I and and yeah. I I don't know. I, I I just have a hard time getting past that when I'm trying to think when I'm trying to think about the class dynamics here and how they relate to real life anti-establishment views.
2: I, I I think what what I'm looking at it as like I'm dividing the Joker into two people, like Arthur Fleck and the Joker. So I don't think there's real nuance about the people who put on the masks and join the protests. But I think there is nuance to why Arthur Fleck becomes the Joker. And I I think that's the parallel with, as as I've pointed out, how regular folk who are troubled embrace or or end up following or getting caught up in, in right wing movements.
0: All right, guys. So that's our wrap. Like, like, subscribe, that's follow really
2: us on, on all social media. I've been out <laughs> of <been> cool because <laughs> you haven't heard, you know, crowd
1: rock in a long time. When was the last time you heard Japanese jazz? Did you know there was
0: Japanese jazz? You probably thought it was Japanese karaoke. But you know there is Japanese
1: jazz and one of the hottest Japanese jazz groups is called Pistol Jazz. Which is kinda of what track me to, you know. I come across a name like that, I said, come on, I gotta listen to these guys' music. Please do